1: to another episode of Johnson's Idol Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This week's guest is Dave Pino, guitar player for Andrew WK. If you are looking for a party, you came to the right place. And my party partner, as always, is Mr. Daniel Terry. How are you doing this evening?
2: Man, the party's pretty great. It extends all the way from the state of Missouri all the way to Grand Rapids, Michigan, man.
1: I mean, we only party in states that start with M
2: exactly the m states are where the party's at and the party never stops
1: oh quoting an Emery line there maybe maybe
2: <laughs> yes i've been listening to a lot of emory lately it's oh. topical
1: is that some foreshadowing that we've already hinted at
2: <laughs> yeah i mean well i don't know i mean i've been listening to the question for like what 15 years or something like that so you know we got that going on for us too
1: yeah, I still got to say, my favorite record of theirs is uh, I'm Only a Man. I listened to that earlier today, and I was like, God, this record, this record's really good, even though it seems like a lot of people don't like that record.
2: That one's a close... No, dude, that one's a close second for me. I love that record a lot.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm very much looking forward to talking to Toby. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to uh, dissecting the new record, which you and I, thankfully, have had uh, for the last couple of days, as of when this is being recorded. Uh, but outside of that, though, we are talking about De Pino from Andrew W.K., And, you know, something that I want to throw out there is that, uh, you know, this this chat had been done a long time ago. Um, The unfortunate thing about doing a podcast sometimes is you get over ambitious and do a lot of podcasts. And when I was laid off for a couple of months, I did a lot of podcasts. (laughs) Uh, I think at one point I had done in about a two month span, I think I had and uh, this isn't even an exaggeration because I sent Dan a lot of them that have and have not aired. Uh, I think I had about 15 to 18 podcast total uh which is why we started doing two a month or two a week so i could get them out um but a lot of the things became more time sensitive with album release dates looming and so forth and uh you know sadly with nothing really being said in this conversation that was time sensitive it just kept getting put on the back burner but i wanted to get it out because dave was super gracious he he met me when uh andrew wk was here in town we met uh as you'll hear in a very funny story right out the gate uh, about a chinese restaurant <laughs> uh that we were yeah. at uh that got shut down for having a bunch of health code violations and then reopened uh about a, seemingly a, about a month later um <laughs> Under new quote unquote new management, but uh, regardless, him and his wife ate there, and I felt really bad for telling him that story. <laughs> the whole point of me oh, no. ask, the whole point of me asking him had he had he eaten there was uh or had he ate was he gonna eat there was because I didn't want him to to feel bad about it or whatever, and uh, I told Dan I was gonna tell him a funny story uh, about this chat too. So there was like a high school going around doing a scavenger hunt and they during
2: during the interview yeah
1: like so we were sitting okay. outside we were sitting on the pat outside uh what, why you can hear like tr- cars going by and so forth uh, at this chinese restaurant but uh yeah there was like a high school going by like doing like a scavenger hunt and so you know everyone like we were already getting stared at because here are two dudes doing an interview at a restaurant where they're not eating and there's no they they're just sitting outside uh which is <laughs> weird i realize but so the school people kept walking by us and i was like oh god maybe they're going to think Either him or I are famous or something, and and interrupt us, and and thankfully no one did. But then, as we were finishing up, <laughs> one of the the school people came by and they asked us to act like we were eating, and we're like, well, we're not eating, we didn't eat, uh, so, <laughs> 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 uh, well, I don't know what you want us to do. So they're like, oh, just take like these leaves and pretend like you're eating them, and we can take a photo. But I was like, okay. And the irony was is as they left I was like someone is going to turn in their high school report for their for their uh for their um scavenger hunt and not realize that they have the guitar player for Andrew WK a dude who used to be in Power Man 5000 a dude who used to be in Demone, a dude who used to be in like all these bigger bands like they're yeah. just not going to know that there is a photo with somebody that actually is is somebody and uh I hope somewhere down the line someone's like holy shit that's the guy from Andrew WK <laughs>
2: that would be pretty funny uh just that weird whole like they think they're being weird and cool and edgy or whatever just by doing that type of scavenger hunt type of thing yeah and they're like oh yeah we're just gonna stage the photo and do it and they think like and it's like no dude you have no idea you've got basically a famous person right here yeah in your photo so <laughs> yeah. that was like your joke to them <laughs> that's hilarious
1: yeah, it was uh very amusing, but uh I wanted to thank Dave again for taking the time. Uh it was actually one of the first in-person interviews I'd ever done. Um so I was really nervous about using like my equipment and doing something live and and you know, I realized how much it doesn't it seems like you're not paying attention when you're constantly looking at your levels and so forth and trying to lead the conversation and still listening and all that. So it was a, a bit of a learning experience for me, but I think it was really good and you know, I was really thankful that Dave took the time to to take time out of his his day with his wife uh you know before his show um to, to come and chat with us so i'm very pleased to, to bring you this episode and without further ado this is my chat with dave pino <laughs> But i have the pleasure of sitting outside of soho sushi which sounds more bougie than it actually is uh here's a here's a fun story this uh restaurant got closed down because of health issues uh finding food on the floor uh in serving containers and all that and as a result pretty much none of us have come back but it doesn't seem to have stopped people from actually coming here but this usually was where i came every saturday to get some really good uh really good lo mein <laughs> yeah i'm uh i kind of i was almost like interested to see how it was but i see everything still kind of looks exactly the same so i don't i don't really know how how much has changed other than Jim just slapping a new name on this well i uh kind of get into it since you guys got a show coming up in a little bit but um uh, so, one of the first times I remember seeing you, and unless this is another one of those stories like you were saying just before I turned the mics on of uh, how it's not, <laughs> you weren't in the band at this time, was seeing Damone open for 69 Eyes.
0: Holy moly. I think I was there for that.
1: It was the pro- I think the other opening band was Program The Dead.
0: Program I mean, The Dead, man.
1: But it was like the all, this, one of the first 69 Eyes full U.S. tours before they then came back a few months later and it opened for Cradle of Filth, I believe, on the uh, Devils uh,
0: album cycle. Yeah, well, I was, I was actually in Demone for a really short period of time. I think I was in that band the shortest amount of time out of any band I've ever played in. <laughs> I think it might have been six months. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember.
1: It's almost like you're, you're a hired gun.
0: Yeah. I mean, my friends make fun of me sometimes. They say, I'll start a band, and then the band will get a record deal, and then I'll leave the band and then the band goes on to do whatever.
1: So you like putting in the hard work and reaping none of the rewards?
0: Yeah, I like <laughs> I like, you know, the fun part of like the excitement of, you know, potentially getting to the top.
1: <laughs> so, you know, I always like asking this question for any musician that I end up getting to talk to, what got you into wanting to be a musician? What what inspired you to start playing guitar?
0: Man, uh, it was kind of like the most boring thing ever because when you were in the fourth grade or fifth grade, you had to choose an instrument back in the the educational system I was in. So I just had to pick something. What's that?
1: Piccolo or recorder was not your instrument? No, everybody
0: (laughs) picked that one. So my dad was like, gotta be original, do something no one else is doing. So I was like, can't do drums. So um, my uncle had a guitar. So I was like, okay, I'll just do the guitar. And then um, I couldn't do it that year. I had to switch schools. And then by the time I was able to play a guitar, I it, it discovered like Kiss and Van Halen and all that, and then uh, it was just something interesting for me to do, and th- that was it. Like it was just it was purely based on like an educational thing, and then through choosing that, that's when I discovered, you know, all my cousins or whatever would say, "Hey, check this out, check this band out, whatever," and then, and then I became obsessed. You know, like Van Halen was pretty much the one that got me.
1: I can tell from watching some of your uh, YouTube. Uh, snippets of you playing and practicing uh, that that's definitely a, a main inspiration. But I think that's that's kind of to be assumed when people of a certain age uh, got into rock and roll. Like it's either you know Randy Rhodes, uh, Van Halen, a couple of the other guys like that. Sometimes it's uh, Thin Lizzy, if that was a, a band that a lot of people got into. Um, so. What were some of the earlier bands you started? Because I mean, as we kind of already had hinted at, you've been in a lot of bands and you've you play in a lot of different genre types of bands. Mm -hmm. So, what was one of the first bands you actually got into uh, on your own?
0: Oh, the first band. I mean, I started the first band I was in. I think I was twelve, and it was my brother's band. He had started a band. It was all our friends from our neighborhood. Is that Waltham? It, it turned into Waltham, yeah. Originally, Wall Thim, it was okay. called uh, Dirty Larry, and then it was called It's So Skit. So we changed our band name a bunch. Bottom <laughs> line was the original name, and nice uh, name. so we did that band. But we had been—I had been in that band my whole life, mostly. I'm still in that band to this day, you know. So it's the one band I've been in since I was 12. But um, you know, obviously, we can't get together that often because everybody's got their lives and they're doing things. But then after that, I joined another band called uh, Thunder Canes. <laughs> and that was kind of like a ska band. Like, we had horns and stuff in it. And this is going back in the 90s, like early 90s. And then, I mean, the list of bands. I joined one band called um, we called Graveyard Barbecue. And we won, <laughs> we won a battle of the bands to be in Guitar Hero, oh, shit. Uh, the very first Guitar Hero. So they hadn't released the game yet. And they were doing this online competition on a message board. Remember those old school yeah. message boards that were really big at the time? So we signed up for it, we tried it, and we won. And we went to the headquarters and everything and played the game. We're like, oh, this is cool, good luck with it, you know, whatever. They gave us one, we took it home, we're like, we never played it again. I never even (laughs) took mine out of the package. And the the game became huge huge a year later. Yeah,
1: it's funny, I remember playing that game, and that's actually how I got into Every Time I Die and All That Remains initially. And I remember sitting, looking at my, like, $1,500 $1,500 guitar sitting next to while I'm playing these games, and I'm just like, why the fuck am I playing this game when I could be learning these songs, like, for real? Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is stupid.
0: It was addicting, man. People love oh, yeah, playing this. It it. They found addicting. out you had it. They're like, oh, I've been playing this. So there was that, and then another group, um Damone, obviously, of course, yep. right? There was that one, and then... um and then there was this guy named Robbie Roadsteamer. He was a comedian, and I had no idea he was a comedian. I thought his band, the Sweatpant Boners, which, as a matter of fact, Ken Susie from Unearth was yeah. a part of that band. okay, I was going to say, Boners. I know that
1: band name from somewhere, but that's why.
0: So I saw him, his band opened up for Wall Fam, and I thought they were the best band I'd ever seen that were hilarious because the lead singer would just make fun of people in the audience. <laughs> and he would make fun of his band, he would yell at them about being out of tune, and I was like, this is amazing. This guy, I was, you know, just, like, totally just floored by him. And then after he came to me and told me he was just a comedian, he took off his costume, and, uh, and he told me he was quitting music. And I was like, "No way, you can't quit music!" I was like, "This is the best band ever." So I joined his band, and then we won a battle of the bands. And then after we won the battle of the bands, he got a, a job working for the radio station that held the battle of the bands, and he right. was, uh, you know, a personality. I think he was on like morning or, or the drive home radio. Did
1: he keep the the sweat 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 pan boner? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, he was still Robbie Road Steamer, you know, <laughs> online. So then after that, I joined uh, Seamless.
1: Oh, man, I fucking uh, love that band. Remember Seamless? Yeah. Yeah, Jesse and... Uh, fuck, what was it? Uh, Peter? Or Pete? Yeah, yeah. Pete, Pete. Cortese, or Cortese? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Cortese. Yeah.
0: I actually was replacing... Pete couldn't go on the tour, so okay. I joined. So Pete actually... He stayed back. Uh, Jeff Fultz, he was playing bass, but he moved over to guitar because Jeff's an amazing guitar player, and then I started playing bass for the band. So I did a tour with those guys.
1: I think I saw that band play at the Hayloft the hey with fuck was it maylene it was like a weird it was like a weird billing like because it's like you guys or seamless wasn't in the same vein but i think because it had like sort of that southern tinge to it yeah uh it was like i think it was maylene and sun is a sun's a disaster tour and i was like whoa it's kind of weird maybe not maybe it wasn't them but i remember it being sparsely attended and i remember just (laughs) kind of being like wow this band's so like crushingly heavy and they like Groove rips and shit, and it's Jesse from Killswitch. So yeah, this is awesome.
0: I didn't even know who Jesse was. I didn't know that. I thought uh, Howard was the original singer of <laughs> Killswitch on those days. Right. And then he told me he was. I was like, yeah, right. I was like, sing, <laughs> sing, end of heartache right now. And he sang it to me in the van. I was like, holy crap! You see, really you would have gotten that
1: exclusive. Like no one, no one at that point would have heard Jesse ever sing end of heartache.
0: Yeah. No, I got the exclusive, <laughs> and I, I was like, okay, you're not black. But uh, and then after that, while on the tour with that band, I ended up in a band called Ankla,
1: Oh, I. Jesus Christ. You and I have like almost interwoven. Uh, A friend of mine that lives, uh, I met him in Kalamazoo when he was going to Western. He was tour managing Encla on Ospice the year it was free. And I went out a couple of times uh, to go hang out with him and and Ramon, who drank all my alcohol.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Ramon. (laughs) (laughs) That guy's awesome. Yeah. Wow, so uh, I think that might have been after, I might have left right around before OzFest. <laughs> Fair enough. And as a matter of fact, I played with them, so they could, they were getting a deal from, uh, oh man, I forget the brother's name, but they were in that band. Um, uh, it used to be Puya. Yeah, it was Puya. that was yeah. Ramon's band, and then he started Ankla, um, but then they got a deal with the brothers, man, I, I, the names escape me right now. Cavalera's? Yeah, right, they had yeah. that, what was the name of their band?
1: Uh, Cavalera Conspiracy, but then they had Soulfly.
0: Or Sepultura? So, no, not so, No, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of somebody else. They were from like the, kind of the '80s. Uh, son of a bitch. Anyways, they had to, they had to do like a showcase for them at a festival. So they were, they were like, you got to stay with us until we do this because I had to move on. You know, I had to you know because I was playing bass for them, I wanted to play guitar. Right. So um, so I did that the showcase for them. They you know their deal was like you know set in stone. They're like, all right, thank you very much. I was like, all right, see you guys later. <laughs> and then I left. And then uh, and then I started a band with Piggy D from uh, oh, Rob yeah. Zombie. Yeah. I started a band with him and Joe Letts. Joe Letts now plays in Combi Christ, but he was okay. in Gender Torturers at the time. Yeah. And then, uh, and then a good friend of ours, Sean Marazine, he had a band called Marazine. So I did that for a minute. And then after that, I went to um, I went to L.A. I was like on a break you know, from doing a couple of those van tours. And uh, while I was out there, Piggy D asked me, he's like, hey, man, uh, what are you doing right now? I was like, no, I'm just hanging around. I'm in L.A. And he goes, you want to play in Power Man 5000? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And, you know, <laughs> So I ended up in that band for five years five or six years and then uh and then from there you know andrew asked me that right around that took me to
1: 2012 okay that's uh shit i feel like you should be on doc coyle's uh, x-man podcast yeah. <laughs> with that laundry I, list I, and of... i'm pretty
0: sure i left some bands i've left some bands out uh, and i apologize to you guys <laughs> um,
1: well i mean so something you know uh, that laundry list of bands that you were just talking about and something i kind of had said You know, you're able to, your playing style isn't just defined as as a rock and roll person. Like, you're able to kind of weave in and out of so many different styles and genres. You know, it's interesting to me, too, in in seeing you on Instagram practicing, like, along to so many different songs by so many different kinds of bands. You know, it seems like you're always striving to to be better and and just be a, a very dedicated musician and hone your craft and it's kind of interesting to see that because I feel like today the only reason anyone ever practices is just basically to get YouTube likes and views Oh yeah So how much do you think first of all like what motivates you to keep just constantly practicing but then even more to that effect do you think that a lot of people just become complacent in getting to a certain level of playing and they're just like, I'm good enough because I've I the I've achieved these things.
0: I mean, I've definitely you know been across musicians who think that way and who feel that way and uh, I just want to know that I can do something. You know, I see somebody pull off a riff in front of me, especially, I'm like, <laughs> I want to know that I can do that because I have hands, you know, and a brain. <laughs> so I want to pull it off. What has been one
1: of your... What has been one of the riffs that you've gone to learn how to play that challenged you the most to just kind of, like, that incorporated, like, maybe, like, like, sweet picking, and it requires you to do, like, hammer-on and, you know, tap-offs and all that kind of stuff. Like, what, what's what been one of the most challenging rips you've had to learn recently?
0: I think the most challenging lick that I can remember, I mean, there's, I mean, I have r- licks that I'm trying to learn now, to, you know, that are the most challenging, but the one that really got me was the Intimidation lick by, uh, by Steve Vai in Crossroads. It's the oh, one where shit. he puts the guitar back around, you know, after he takes his jacket off. He's like, <laughs> he starts shredding. He starts ripping into this thing. And there's this guy named Troy Grady, and he has this uh, YouTube uh, channel called Break the Code, Crack the Code. Okay. And his thing was really awesome. So he really broke it down good. So that was like, yeah, I'm going to be able to sit here and really learn it. And, I, and it took me a while, but I got it finally. And then, yeah, I incorporated it into a few guitar solos. I, I didn't even try to change it much at all. <laughs> I just put it in.
1: Do you feel... Let me see how I, I worded this. Do you think this trend of online players, do you think that we're people are losing the ability to actually write music because they're more focused on you know, nailing a part and then you can kind of edit it all together? Do you think we're losing songwriters?
0: Uh, no, I wouldn't say we're losing songwriters. I think I just think that for some reason and this has been going on forever I think shredders have different priorities when it comes to their songwriting. And um, the guy who really opened up my eyes to so this was Spider from from Powerman. Really? Yeah yeah, Spider Man. He was he was awesome. Uh, we would write together, you know, we'd be in the, in the house and you know, I would come up with a guitar solo or a lick. I'm like, "Dude, check this out." And I'll never forget what he said to me. He was a, he said He goes, dude, that sounds like a chicken. It's like,
2: (laughs) you know, and he made that sound
0: effect. And I was like, what? And then I thought, I sat back and I was like, holy crap. I see, like, if you're not a dude who's, like, way into guitar technique and way into that kind of stuff, it sounds, it doesn't sound like what, you know, us guitar players thinks it sounds like. Right. And um, by no means did it, like, discourage me in any shape, way, or form, but it kind of gave me an insight to what, like, the different mindsets of music listeners and I just feel like all my favorite guys who are shredders, and I listen to their music. It just uh, it's satisfying to a certain degree, a certain type of listener. So for us, it's like, oh, this is amazing, you know. Like one of my first albums was Joe Satriani album, which was awesome. You know, that riding
1: with a surfer.
0: Yeah, uh, riding with, uh, surfing surfer with an alien, surfer with an alien. Yeah, and then like the Passion and Warfare album by Steve Vai, like that's amazing. But then you have other guys whose records. Um, you know they they weren't going to go like top 40 by any means like you know they, they weren't going to compete with like the Jackson 5 like the songwriters <laughs> and, you know those type of songwriters it was, right. it was it's a different type of songwriting and i think the um but, yeah the priority is in in the technique <clears throat> in the in the different sounds you can make with the guitar which you know i love i love all that stuff so i think songwriters there will always be great songwriters and there will always be great shredders and sometimes the two kind of combine it gets combined and uh, I think Joe Satriani and Steve I they they nailed it with with you know some of their songs is it interesting for
1: you as a as a fan of them to see them go from what they are known for to going into something like a chicken foot where it's like here's this guy who plays and does his own thing and is such a master at what he does but then goes into this like this band realm and seeing what they're kind of more restrained Mm -hmm. i guess for lack of a better word is that like does that like interest you at all like when you kind of see that and see how they approach the two different types of ways to play
0: yeah yeah no definitely i mean when steve i was in white snake i forgot about that That i think of red beach now
1: when i think of white snake yeah he
0: had awesome stuff yeah red oh that's right red beach is in white snake now man red beach is awesome yeah i met him one time he was so funny and then uh who else is there that that's done something like that um that i can think of Ah oh, shit! Everything escapes me. I'll tell you, my brain is just like inundated with all these YouTube kids because there are people <laughs> on YouTube who have this technical proficiency that is just mind-boggling. But you're right, yeah. All they do is just shred these licks, and there's not really like a melody or a song and what they're doing. They just strictly just like, you, know, yeah. you know, just real buttery and amazing. But I mean, <laughs> that's what that's what they're into, and that's what they're all about. And I think that's that's awesome, you know, because you got to be that focused and dedicated to something like that to achieve that level.
1: Speaking of that, though, do you—I've often wondered, because in the day and age now of social media and just kind of online awareness of everything, I mean, like, I—cat's out of the bag now, so I can say this, actually. Um, So a friend of mine, uh, Tyler, Joel from Killswitch's brother, um, I had made a comment to him a while ago. I was like, why don't you try out for, like, Justice, you know, solo band? Uh, You know people that probably know him. You could easily get the gig, like, seemed like it'd a pretty good, like, side gig for you to do something on occasion— And so I guess he reached out recently and he's going to be like the rhythm guitarist or whatever for like the upcoming solo shows in the European run he's doing. And something we were kind of talking about in doing all of that was just kind of having, you know, a decent online presence and so forth. And something I kind of had wondered is with you posting so many of the different videos you do of like, hey, I'm learning how to play. I'm trying to learn Eruption. I'm trying to learn, you know, these licks or, hey, here's a riff I got that I've been jamming on. Have you found that maybe someone... You know, because a friend of yours might have liked the video that maybe you get hit up. Like, someone's like, hey, are you doing anything right now? Like, I need someone to lay down a track for me on something or a sweet solo, like a guest spot, or hey, I need someone to fill in. Oh, yeah. on this tour like does that happen for you
0: oh yeah yeah, absolutely and I, I think that would happen for anybody too if you do something and people are aware that you can do something you know that when they think of it or when the thing comes up they'll think of you they'll be like hey you know ask this guy and yeah it's happened to me with leads like i've had to play leads on a couple things for friends i get asked to but but it's happened to me with anything like i made a puppet right <laughs> and my friend you know these the ones made... that
1: ended up in the usa usa videos or a variation of no no no, no. Okay. it didn't
0: end up in the usa usa video but um but it did end up, like, I ended up making puppets for Universal to do uh, this group called um, uh, The Mansions. And Mansions is, you ever hear that song? It's like, um, you think you're cooler than me. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a completely different genre. Oh. You'd have to, Mike, Mike. Mike Posner. Uh, Mike Posner, yeah, 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 yeah. So Michael Posner started a band with uh, this kid called Black Bear. And oh, the that label kid's blowing up right now. Yeah, yeah, no, they're huge. And I mean, I didn't, I hadn't heard of them until you know my friend who worked at the record company was like, hey, you know, can you make a puppet for me? I was like, I was like, <laughs> I made one puppet, you know. And she's like, yeah, but you're the only guy I know who makes puppets, and I was like, holy crap. So, so I did that, and then, and then uh, from that, the band King, they were asking me to make puppets for their music video.
1: King K Y N G or yeah, K
0: Y N G, yeah, yeah. Okay,
1: because we have the King Eight Ten that's from here. That's more of like a like hardcore band. So I always get it. Always gets kind of confusing who people are talking about because they had to add the A10 once they got signed to like Roadrunner. Yeah. So I just wanted to make sure it wasn't <laughs> that band.
0: Yeah, no, it was King. They made they made a music video uh, for their for their album song "Breathe in the Water." And um, you know they—they they were like, we know who—who who can we get to make puppets? So they're like, Pino makes puppets. You know, <laughs> I was like, oh my god. So I got so that, because tell I, me I that made your a couple business of, name too. What's that?
1: Is that your business name? Pino's, Pino's puppets? puppets. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but, I mean, it was. I mean, it took it completely consumed my 2017. I think. I think wow. all of 2017, I might have dedicated to making puppets.
1: That's crazy. Because
0: people asked me to make puppets. Where now. did you
1: learn to do this?
0: Uh, I Ah, YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I yeah. didn't know if this is like some
1: some long like hobby you've had.
0: No, I made a puppet a long, long time ago during the MySpace days for Robbie Roadsteamer because Robbie lost a, a comedy competition to a guy with a puppet, <laughs> and I was like, "Yo, Robbie, I'm gonna make you a puppet, and the next competition, you're gonna have your puppet. Your puppet's gonna make fun of his puppet, and you're gonna win the competition." So I did that. I made this like little puppet series, um, and then I hadn't done anything for years later. And then this guy, he, he's he's out of Ohio, I think, uh, Foam Foolery. He makes puppets. He actually makes puppets for all these bands. Like he's got like. Char- Ali Benante, Zach Wild, oh, like shit. all these guys that he's made puppets for. So somehow we became friends and then, uh, and people saw the puppet that he made of me and they as- immediately associated it with me making puppets or like my old puppets that I'd made and then, and then yeah, I ended up becoming like this puppet guy in 2017. So that <laughs> is to say that like, yeah, when you put something out there, people think of you and they're like, hey, you know, if this guy's shredding guitar or making puppets or riding a Segway or has an old 67 Camaro, uh, they think of you when they see that stuff so it's yeah it's important i would encourage any kid to definitely put themselves out there
1: i think it's actually a good segue into my one of the next questions i had for you which is you know you've been in the music industry for a long time what are some of the things that you've learned in the industry that you've been able to apply to your like day-to-day life
0: uh i mean almost everything i think like like there's the list goes is really long um but like i've just learned you know how you learn how to be a team player how to be uh courteous and and pay attention to things because there's so many moving parts especially when you're in a band on on the level of the bands that i've been in because you know we have sometimes we have to be our own techs uh sometimes when you want to do production um you know you can't afford to have like you know pyro or whatever so you kind of figure out a way to do it yourself (laughs) (laughs) you know so you have to really like think ahead and And yeah, there's a lot of moving parts. You have to advance gigs. You know, you have to, um, you know, make sure the venue's aware of you and what you're doing. You have to read your contracts, you know, to make sure that uh, everything's understood. So I feel like, and also you have to talk to people. You have to, you know, you have to be pretty personable, social. You have to communicate a lot. And I feel like I've learned how to do that a little bit better. My Boston accent isn't as strong as it used to be because of all the talking I've had to do. As you
1: say, it sounds it's it's sounds a lot there was an interview I found from a while ago or a video or something on YouTube bringing it back to that and I was like alright I'm going to talk to someone with a pretty thick uh, Boston accent here and then I was like thinking about it I was like well I I feel like I haven't heard you have it in a while and I was thinking about it so it's funny you brought it up because I was like I know that accents can go away over time but it's not something that you really think of like are you? Have you really become aware of it, or is it something? Oh yeah,
0: I've been aware of it. It yeah. was kind of a conscious effort too, because sometimes people couldn't understand what I was saying. So I, I thought to myself, I'm not pronunciating things, you know. And then also, while living in, I lived in Los Angeles for ten years, and yeah, there's a lot of Boston guys out there, and you could tell right away when you're at Ralph's and <laughs> this dude's, you know, just throwing out f bombs and you know not pronouncing, you know, the words uh, in proper English. I watched the way, you know, some of the other folks around would react to it, and I, and I kind of thought, shit, um, I, I want to be taken a little more seriously in that environment. You know, in Boston, you could be the mayor and have the thickest Boston accent, and everyone's like, this guy's a freaking genius. <laughs> but in other parts of the country, sometimes people don't know how to I- interpret it, you know. Right. I guess it would be the same if, like, you're from the South, if you're from Texas, and you have this, you know, hang 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 like, kind of accent. You know, people just have, they react to it, and I, I didn't want to have those kind of reactions. I wanted, you know, a chance because... Yeah, you know, I wanted to, you know, work and, and get involved.
1: Did you end up taking any speech classes or anything to no. kinda just
0: more no, focus I just,
1: effort on make, correcting I guess bad habits? When
0: I would ride down the street I would, you know, try to pronounce every word I could read. <laughs> and then um and then I went I took a, a course, a comedy course, U C B. Okay. So that I thought that helped a lot. There was a you know there was actually a lot of things I learned in U C B that helped with playing in bands. Like what? Uh, Like, one of the things I learned was called yes and. So when you have conversations, you always say yes and. have a and. question,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, so if somebody says something, you know, and you want to continue the conversation, yeah, 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 and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was one of those techniques I thought was really good. I, I would catch myself when speaking to people, like, no, 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 but, but, no, no, but. and I guess that would make the conversations move a little jerky. Yeah. So they, they taught you that. And then um, just, it was great to do comedy as a musician because I feel like as musicians we're always trying to be like super cool you know we got our sunglasses on um sometimes we wear scarves indoors on a hot day and and, like we're very image-based you know yeah and um and to stand up in front of a group of kids that were super witty and just you know fucking cracking jokes nonstop, and and you have to be you know try to be as funny as them or whatever it was the scariest thing i've ever done so that i thought was a good uh, experience to kind of like get over myself
1: I've always kind of felt like uh, a lot of the East Coast people are, are, coming from the East Coast myself, I feel like a lot of East Coast people are very quick and kind of up-tempo and always moving and hustling and all that kind of shit. Oh,
0: you got to be. you only got four months of summer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny because, like, you know, I was just talking with uh, Adam from Hope's Fall the other day. You know, he lives in North Carolina, and we were just kind of talking about, you know, me being predominantly now living in the Midwest, but having grown up in the East coast and like at a point to where I can still remember these things. It's, it's interesting to remember what it was like living on the East coast and how we like, you know, we grew up in the original 13 colonies and all that kind of stuff was just so beaten into our heads, uh, which I know I have a lot of it. I've forgotten, but it's still one of those things. Like I remember that wasn't like, that was a whole curriculum. Whereas, you know, I move out here and it's like, it's a week Mm -hmm. and it's just interesting just in that realm geographically seeing how different people are raised and even now in the last handful of years with my wife and i like traveling around like we went out to la and i worked for a bigger screen printing company and it's one of those things where we deal with a lot of companies out on the west coast like you know like diamond supply company and so on and so forth and we have to wait for a photo approval and you know we're starting at seven o'clock in the morning our time they're three hours behind and it just turns into this thing where it's like so you want these three thousand shirts by friday however you're no one's responding to our phone calls because you're three hours behind, and then to where when my wife and I went out there, it was really weird to see how everyone's in a hurry to do nothing. Yeah, like does that make it? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Like it, and it almost reminds me of touring because like touring is very much that. Like it's the hurry up and wait game. Like hurry up, get to load in, to sit around and do nothing.
0: Yeah, wait for the guy to patch all the cables. Yeah. And...
1: So it's one of those things for me that it's interesting to just. I always feel like you can kind of tell an East Coast person just because they're a lot more chill like whatever happens you're just like eh, whatever but the temper and the swearing like I feel like it's it's like a like Juilliard course out there of just profanity and the way oh, yeah. you're able to lace it all together so I always love like very much like you were saying like out, you go out to LA or wherever and you find someone from Boston or whatever you're like alright I'm around my people like yeah. sometimes when I can hear someone swearing I'm like I feel like you came from the East Coast somewhere, because uh, that's that's a really great string of words. <laughs>
0: right, right, yeah. Yeah, if aliens were to come down from outer space and, like, go to California, they'd, you know, be like, to mimic, like, you know, human beings, be like, amazing, 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 super, you know. But then if they were to go to Boston, they'd be like, fuck in, fuck because fuck every other word is fucked in.
1: I was looking at joining a company that was located in Boston, and... Uh, was going out, or I was potentially uh, going to go and move there. And someone go sent me a text and they're like Boston, the only place where khakis and car could be pants are literally the thing to start your vehicle. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, funny. <laughs> um, you know, kind of in speaking to your your current gig and what brings you here to Grand Rapids, uh, playing with Andrew. What's it like playing? And I guess really, I could ask this about like you know even Power Man Five Thousand or any of the bands really have been in. But what's it like playing with somebody that has just it's constantly evolving as an artist. Like, how is that working? You know, with someone so ever changing.
0: Uh, it's good. I mean, it's it's got its ups and downs. Um, we, you know, we're always um, you, you get a lot of new fans, which is one of the things I've noticed. You know, you see kind of like the fans change. You know, different types of kids. Um, yeah, power. We were, I was actually just talking about this earlier about all the different phases of Power Man, and uh, and now like looking at you know Andrew. How the first record and what that, you know, with the bloody nose and, you know, how, like, you know, harsh, you know, the the sonics were of the recordings. And now, like, the new, the newer sound, I think um, it attracts different people. and And it's amazing to see that, that transition in the fan base. I mean, there's still the fans from day one that have been there the whole time. But, like... One thing I was saying the other day is sometimes I'm scared to death to meet some of the, the Andrew WK fans because they're all so friggin' smart. <laughs> you know, so you can't, like, with other some other bands, you know, you can kind of, like, be like, ah, oh, no, no, say a couple one-liners or whatever, and people are happy. But with, like, the Andrew WK fans, I feel like those kids are just so, like, in tune and just, uh, yeah, just they're just bright, like they're paying attention and they're just so smart. So you can't, they can't bullshit those kids at all.
1: <laughs> what has someone called you out on that you <laughs> weren't prepared <laughs> for them to have noticed?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't bullshit at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: it's uh it's been really crazy to kind of see, like I said, the evolution of Andrew as a whole. And what's kind of interesting is I guess this weird misconception or this weird know the word I'm, I'm really looking for, but just how people think they know who he is or what he should be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, you know, grow, being predominantly in, in more like, the hardcore scene and stuff like that, like, when he did warp Tour, like, all they heard about was, like, everyone was trying to be like, oh, this dude doesn't party. You know, he mm-hmm. talks about partying and talks about partying, but he don't party. I offered him beer, he don't party. Yeah, And it's it's weird that people are so focused on something like that. What's... What's it like for for you to be in the band to kind of see people, I guess, maybe trying to figure him out or, or I don't really don't don't know the question. I'm, I know what I want to ask. I just know how to get there. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, you're in such a unique perspective, like to, you get to see him every day and you're touring with him. Is it kind of weird to to see people talk and try to figure him out like he's some kind of a puzzle to be figured out?
0: I mean, I think that's kind of what it's like for any artist, for any, you know, guy in a band or or even, you know, actors or whatever. The, you know, the the people who are so far removed, you know, you have like this fantasy in your mind of what, yeah, what they might be like or what they should be like. And you just can't see everything behind closed doors. And sometimes, you know, the guy is what you think he should be. And you just can't tell because he's hiding it so well. I mean, as far as like that whole... The, the concept of partying the way most people know it, yeah, you know, drink beers, get wasted, do drugs, you know, take your clothes off, do all those kind of crazy things. That's one definition of it. You know, but another definition is just kicking ass. Yeah, you know, and we're fun. partying, we're kicking ass. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, some people call it rocking, you know, when you're fucking rocking. Excuse my language. When you're rocking. No, you
1: good. cuss on this. <laughs> when you're
0: rocking, uh, you're not necessarily, like, playing an instrument or something like that. You could just be kicking ass at whatever you're doing, whatever the, the job is or whatever the goal is at hand. And uh, and I feel like that's always been uh, a mindset and a goal of his. And as far as like the traditional partying, I mean, this band has had its <laughs> fair share of partying. Granted, it wasn't always in the public eye, and it's not something that was, you know, necessarily. You know, none of us ended up in rehab exactly. I wouldn't <laughs> call you know there was there was a form of rehab, but it wasn't the actual rehabs. Right. But. But, uh, no, he, we've all, I mean, those guys, not me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but everybody's, everybody's had their, their fair you know, share of that kind of stuff. And, you know, luckily, every, you know, people survived and, and moved on and grew out of it and found another thing. I mean, the guy, you know, Andrew takes, he gets really into things. So um, after he turned, you know, a page... Uh, He got way into exercising. And if you look at his photos, I mean, the dude has transformed himself in such a short period of time without the use of any type of drugs or anything like that. That was just pure uh, dedication and ambition. And he would go and he was committed to it. And we would be at the studio. We'd be at, you know, days off. We'd be at shows. Like, where's Andrew? Oh, he had to go get his, you know, he had to get the, you know, his (laughs) exercise in.
1: That's awesome. It's funny. And you saying that, it reminds me of this TED Talk my wife had me watch while we were flying to uh, Portland about, I can't remember the term, but basically it's the fact, you know, kind of like you were saying earlier about how when you grew up and were in fourth grade, they're like, oh, pick an instrument. A lot of the same times they tell you, multi-potentialites, that's what it is, Um, they tell you, oh, pick, what do you want to be, pick something you want to do for the rest of your life, and a lot of people you know, this person was like, well, why do we have to pick one thing? Why can't I do a lot of different things and just be good at all these things? And it was this term that she had coined called multipotentialites. And so hearing that, I tend to find a lot of successful people are that way. They they don't just sat aren't satisfied doing one thing and doing it well. Like, okay, I've conquered that. Now what's the next new thing I'm going to go do? What's the next new thing I'm going to do go do? And, I, and, you know, and kind of thinking about that and thinking of that story as you were just talking about, you know, Andrew kind of, turning the page and getting into exercising now are are you that way as well do you think maybe that's why you don't like staying necessarily with one band because like okay i got this i I know what this is now like i want to go do something else i want to challenge myself to go to kind of go do this other thing again
0: uh you know i definitely get into a lot of stuff and it's gotten me into a lot of trouble because you know that's how (laughs) i find myself being you know a tour manager guitar player light guy you know the driver of the band the it uh, for everything because i've i've have gotten into all those things i mean since i was a little kid i was the guy who knew how to hook up the vcr you know and the stereo system and then you know just moved on with my bands my early bands with my brother i would be the guy hooking up the pa plugging in everybody's amps tuning the drums doing all that stuff, because i was genuinely into it and then i started recording the, the music i got into you know production uh, production and all that i got way into that and then i started getting into lights um and so yeah, so with everything, I get super interested, and then um, I started getting way into uh, like the real estate market—not necessarily like houses, but just the um, like the, just like the big picture of the financial system, like central banking, okay, um, you know, government policies, um, just whatever the mechanisms are that that affect the real estate market. Because there was a period of time when everybody said buy real estate. Like, all the old people, like, ah, it goes up 10% every year, da 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 all that stuff. So I was like, well, everybody can't be wrong. It doesn't make any sense to me because that means houses are going to cost a billion dollars eventually. <laughs> but uh, but whatever, I'll do it. So I, I took, the you know, the chance. I, I got a, a place, and then it crashed. It was, like, around oh, that yeah. time, you know, 2007 yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And everything crashed, and I was like, man, how could this be everyone's wrong? So then I became obsessed with that kind of stuff, and I started watching those things. And I, I was also obsessed with the laws of physics. Like, the laws of physics, I got way into that. I would stay up late at night watching this channel called Nova, mm-hmm. and um, it was called dot org or something like that. It was pretty much the programs that professors and colleges would watch to come up with the lessons to give the kids. And I thought to myself, man, that's awesome. I was like, I don't even have to go to college. I just watch what the professors watch. Right. You know? It's so weird that a lot of people – like, I never went to college.
1: I don't know if you did or not. But I always find it interesting that, you know, my wife who did go to college works for a pharmaceutical company here in town – A lot of her friends are just like, John's so, like, smart. Like, where did he go to college? And it's like, he didn't. But Mm -hmm. I think he's actually smarter than me just because he, when he wants to learn something, he just takes it upon himself to go learn it. Yeah. And I think it's so weird that, you know, like, literally I have an iPhone and all this shit. It's like you have a wealth of knowledge at your fingertips. Granted, it can get you into trouble because some people will just go look up one thing, whatever the top search thing is, you read that, and that's my new fact. And it's like, no, do a little bit more digging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. make sure that what you read is... Isn't easily debunked like two seconds later, yeah. but it's interesting to, to meet people like that who are who do that because I, I just feel like a lot of people don't like don't have a thirst for knowledge.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not a big good. I'm not good at asking people to do things for me either. I, yeah, I get. Are I you feel, one of those that have a problem kind of
1: relinquishing because like you want to make sure it's done right?
0: I want to make sure. Well, I, want, I feel bad asking people to do anything for me because then I feel like I owe them. What is that? Is that me? I think that might be me. Yeah, it's you. Oh, yeah, it's me. Yeah, I'll feel like I'll feel like I. I'll owe people, you know, and I'd rather not be in debt. I'd rather <laughs> yeah. just do things myself. You know, I, I also want to learn, but yeah, it, it can get you into trouble because then once people find out you know how to do something, then they all ask you to do it for them. And then, you, then it's like, how do you say no to people? And that's the other thing, too, is I can't say no to people. And that's how I ended up in a lot of bands, too, because <laughs> <laughs> you know, people ask me to join. I'm like, yeah, I got, I got time. But one of the things I learned with, uh, with that, like, not being able to say no, is that uh, out of all the bands I've been asked to join... Only one out of ten bands actually do anything, so I'll just say yes to everything because I'm like, ah, nothing's gonna ever happen. It's just they're <laughs> only gonna ask, and they had the conversation that was good enough for them. They feel satisfied. Um, but yeah, like learning learning new stuff, that's kind of an addiction. Now with the internet, like I can't get to sleep at night. I sit there and I, I watch yeah. YouTube videos and I'll read articles um, until I, my eyes go cross-eyed and then I pass out.
1: Uh kind of been wrapping up my last couple questions for you. Sure. Um, what has been one of your greatest achievements in your musical
0: uh, career? In my musical career? Man, there was this one song I did for Stevie TV, uh, R.I.P. <laughs> she, you know, she passed away recently, but uh, it was called uh, Spin the Chair. And it was, uh, it was a skit I know this sounds ridiculous, but like I really love this tune. It was a skit that we did based on. Uh, it was called White Lady Teacher, and there was a movie that um, Michelle Pfeiffer was in, where she played a teacher. She was in a bad neighborhood, and oh, like the kids uh, were dangerous over... minds. Yeah, yeah, dangerous minds. So it was kind of a, it was like a spoof on that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I think I actually have seen this. Yeah, and there was like she and, and Stevie went in there, and like the, one of the kids was like, "You can't spin that chair." He's like, "You gotta, you, you gotta spin the chair if you want to get the kids' attention." So we wrote a song called "Spin the Chair," and I, for some reason, I, I love that tune. I think that was amazing. <laughs> so that's one, I guess, like major musical achievement. But other than that, uh, the experiences that I remember, um, you know, I don't. This is not necessarily like my doing, but I got to perform with E.G. Daly. Okay. And E.G. Daly, she was Dottie in Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. Okay, that's why I recognize the name. But she was also a great, she's the, one of the, I think she's the most amazing female vocalist. And uh, she sang the song called uh, One Way Love. It was in the movie Better Off Dead. Okay. It was like, you know, and it was like in the dance scene. But, anyways, uh, she sang that song. We sang it together. It was on my birthday. She had no idea it was my birthday, but we were, and then we did it for a show, um, you know, somewhere in Hollywood. And, you know, one day we sang it. And, man, it like, it was the greatest like musical experience that I've had. Even though it was you know <laughs> acoustic show and whatever, but like having listened to something so many times my whole entire life, and then hearing the voice, and it was like something you never think you'd ever you know hear doing it. Uh, I thought that was pretty amazing. It was mind boggling for me. So I always like to uh, end these episodes with a song,
1: but before we get to that, uh, you want to go ahead and plug your socials if you want anyone. To oh yeah, you? just
0: go anywhere online at Dave Pino. So it's that's Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. Even though I never ever respond to anything on LinkedIn, I think you actually popped up on my LinkedIn recently, and I was like, weird. Yeah, <laughs> all the social medias, Vine, all that stuff. I barely use any of it. I, I go to Instagram the most. That's the only one I go to. Other than that, uh, Facebook once in a while.
1: Yeah. And then lastly, I always end these out to a song. So what would you like me to end this episode out to?
0: Oh, man, like any song by anybody right now? Any song by anybody. Yeah, I like Funk 49 by Joe Walsh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Quick story about it, why you like it? I just love it. I discovered Joe Walsh way late. I discovered (laughs) Joe Walsh maybe like a year ago. Okay. So I've become uh, pretty obsessed with him. So that's so we can start expecting to see some Joel Walsh uh, some Joel
1: Walsh on, your, yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again, Dave. And uh, looking forward to the show tonight.
0: All right. Thanks, man. Dude, thanks for asking me to do this. Yeah, no problem. Great.
1: So that was my chat with Dave Pino of Andrew WK. Uh, I want to thank him again for coming on and also giving my wife and I tickets to go see them play at a long sold out show uh, here in Grand Rapids at the Pyramid Scheme. Uh, having never seen Andrew WK, I got to say it is quite an experience. And if you've never seen him, please go out, go check out that band. Dave, Andrew, his wife, everyone in the band are fucking rad. And I mean, it's just a good, a feel good story. I mean, as you kind of heard me talking with Dave, you you can hear that Dave's obviously spent a lot of time playing in a lot of different bands, a lot of known bands that have completely different sounds. And I think, you know, he found a home in Andrew WK, like where he's able to showcase a lot of his many talents. And, you know, the band's just phenomenal too. Like their drummer is a YouTube dude who played a cover of Andrew WK and then now is in the band and i mean it's that just all around andrew wk is a great feel-good story with positive shit going on and i don't see how you couldn't be entertained
2: so much party i mean on a you, stage have you yeah.
1: have you seen andrew wk live
2: i have it's not who i went to see but it was at a festival um god this must have been like eight or nine years ago but uh it was uh It was a big outdoor festival over at the uh, over at the pavilion or as I like to call it Riverport. But I know it's like some it's owned by some Riverport. Yeah, it's like some bank now. It's like some banks amphitheater now, but it's Riverport. That's where all the concerts happen here. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I think and they only played they only played for about uh, 30 minutes or so.
1: Oh, man, that's like the sweet spot, though. When you when you you have a good band that knows what they're doing.
2: Yeah, everybody was having a good time.
1: Can you imagine a Slipknot 30-minute set now? Like, just how balls to the wall that would be?
2: It'd be, like, all our heaviest songs that are, like, three minutes long, you know, like, and just bang them all out, like, so fast. It'd be
1: just disgusting. Sometimes I think, like, you know, in in preparation for this Louder Than Life uh, festival that I will be going to in a couple of days, I just, you know, there's some bands like Glassjaw. They're probably going to get a 30-minute set. But just think about a thirty-minute glass jaw set; like it's probably just gonna be packed full of like just so much like aggression and and so forth. Like I just think it's gonna be so rad.
2: Yeah, rub it in. Well, you know what though? It's okay; it's all good because I'm going to see Zayo on Thursday. So I mean, you know,
1: Zao is basically like going to see a festival of all your favorite bands, but it's your your favorite band of all time. So you get to, you know, I imagine yeah, you're my... just bringing like a change of underwear because you're gonna come so much. Like just being like, oh.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, whenever we Nashville, I think I only went through Smashville. three or four pairs of pants. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh three or four pairs of pants maybe. That's all. Okay. You know, in a in a 40-minute set, you know, yeah. actually it felt like they played for like five five hours cuz I can't um I can't think of any song that I wanted them to play that they didn't play. Okay. So I haven't uh, seen um,
1: Zayu in so long. Do they still just kind of just no no talking, just play 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 play?
2: They did a little bit of talking. Um, Scott stopped in the middle of the set and was like, all right, guys, we're going to knock out some acoustic songs for you. And then just went into, you know, something really heavy. <laughs> and, uh <laughs> you know, I think Dan said a few things. But, yeah, for the most part, Zayo's a band that just plays. And um I think that they did stop at one point and were like, you know, how many people in this audience are, you know, younger than the band is? You know, like not the members, but like the band as an entity. Right. Um uh, and uh, a lot of hands went up for that one. But uh but uh ba- speaking of, of extreme vocalists and stuff, that um oh my goodness, that story about um Jesse Leach. Oh yeah. Uh from Killswitch. It's so funny. I used to be the original singer. No, you're not. Yeah, Howard's the original singer. No, 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 <laughs> really. I, I was the original lead singer. Like you can look it up. You know, it's like no. Well, you got to sing the end of all heartache. And what I thought was funny about that is I'm like, well, that's a, it's a Howard song. Yeah. Like, so it's weird hearing Jesse. Sing, it would be weird hearing Jesse sing end of all heartache. You know. Well,
1: especially now, like hearing the end of heartache. You know, with Jesse now on it, it it's normal. Yeah. Right. Just like it was weird for a while hearing how we're doing stuff off of, you know, leverage just breathing or the self-titled record, it became normal because of just the circumstance. But I mean, think about that. I mean, like you said, he just he had left kill switch had been gone for a little bit. Starts up seamless with Petey Cortese from uh X Kill Switch and X ex- uh, uh Overcast, or I guess they're still a band technically, but you know, yeah. Dave's Dave's gotten to play with a lot of people who who have done a lot of different stuff, and I think that's the interesting thing to me is is just knowing that like like I said, Dave's time in, in in various bands like you know, uh, Power Man Five Thousand like that that's an interesting band for a, a guitar player to be in because you don't typically think of them as being a guitar band. Um, right. Seamless like that is one of my favorite kind of more under the radar bands that I think should have been way bigger than they ever got the opportunity to be and jesse god man it's just like just thinking about like those dirty like southern bluesy riffs like we're just so monstrous and hearing jesse's like singing and screaming over it was just so fucking good if you, okay pause this right now if you've never heard seamless go check out seamless cast no shadow and tell me that's not a fucking ripper and then f- buy download whatever that record because there are just hits on that record. Like it's so fucking good. If that were on vinyl, I would buy like 19 copies. I'm not even kidding.
2: Yeah. That band really got the shaft just because like the bands that the people that were in the band were in such bigger bands, you know, prior. And I mean, I still consider it a super group, but I I really, yeah, was disappointed whenever we lost seamless, you know, um, it was one of, they were one of the cooler, like you said, they were one of the cooler, underappreciated bands. And, uh, it was kind of like I always liked listening to Jesse sing, so it just having that band, you know, made the whole leaving of Killswitch made that a little easier for me, I guess.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, it, that was funny. I I totally forgot about that until I listened back to the interview earlier, and I was like, "Oh yeah, like he, did, he didn't believe Jesse was the original singer for Killswitch, and then asked him to sing someone else's song." Which you know, like I said, like at that point he would have gotten the exclusive because at that point, like no one had ever heard Jesse sing Howard stuff. So,
2: right, he got like a six-year, seven-year preview. Um, you know, for, for what was to come.
1: Yeah. The whole thing with the puppets, like, you know, and I saw that uh Dave <laughs> recently has been making more puppets. I think if I understood his, his Instagram story correctly, I think that Dave made some of the puppets that are in that movie with uh, Melissa McCarthy. Really? Uh, yeah. Well, as he said, he goes, you know, I get a lot of jobs where people come to me to, to make puppets and he was making some puppets on uh, the last day or so. Um. For some stuff but it, it's, it's just one of those weird things where i remember he was posting footage from the movie and then i was like did you make the puppets for that fucking movie because like that's no. huge and but then again like he kind of had made the comment like well i mean like i guess i don't really know many people who make muppet or puppets anyway so i guess like if you are one of the few that makes good ones like people are probably going to come to you
2: right yeah that makes sense
1: <laughs> it's just such a weird skill
2: to have. it's just out there yeah like i mean you know, my whole thing is like, oh, I'm really into music and that's what I'm known for. But I also really like games. Yeah. But yeah. like that's as interesting as I get. You know, like I, I don't make puppets, you know, like uh, uh, something else I noticed, too, um whenever I was, quote unquote, prepping up for this episode. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, usually my prep is just listen to the interview. Uh, right. But uh, it, it, hmm. have you ever heard of the band People Mover?
1: Yeah, he's in that band.
2: That's what I was gonna ask, because I it seemed uh that that's what struck me is I was like, man, what did he do in People obviously play guitar in People Mover, right? Yeah. Um I just wish I knew who like that was one of those that was one of those bands that like is a huge guilty pleasure of mine. Okay. And uh <laughs> were you a fan of, of the People Mover uh experience? I won't really call it an album because it was not like <laughs> an EP.
1: I think it's one of those things for me where I like some of it, but in small doses. Um, so <laughs> it, it just becomes one of those things for me where, I don't know. It, I think it's kind of tough. Like, And I think that's kind of the thing too sometimes in, in doing some of these conversations and some of the bands that we talk about is, you know, like when someone's involved in so many different, so many different projects, sometimes you realize like, not everything is your bag, but you appreciate what that person does in that band and people right. definitely falls under that for me where I'm like, well, I, I see what it's, what it's doing and why it exists. Like it's fun, but it's not really something I'm going to go out of my way and listen to a whole bunch.
2: The effect wears off relatively fast for me. I um,
1: And it's, and it's nothing against those people or Dave or anything like that, but it's just one of those things where, uh, I, I just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think you have and, to be in a certain mood to listen to that.
2: Who else was in that band? Uh, there was, uh, cause as far as I know, it was like a super group. And I remember everybody said for a long time that they thought the People Mover was brand new. <laughs> Do you remember that? I, I'm, it's going back a couple years because I don't think they've done anything new in a while. People Mover has, but, uh,
1: Not I remember, like year or two.
2: I remember before, um, the last brand new album came out. Uh, I think that was called Science Fiction.
1: Yeah. Yep. Just came out.
2: And uh, I remember when you would go to the brand new website, they would just say, like, we're not doing anything new right now, but check this out. And it was a link to the pa- People Mover stuff, which led people to believe that. Uh... And then there was like a tour where brand new was supposed to headline, but then they like dropped off, but then People Mover filled their spot or something. <laughs> like, it was weird. Like, I, and yeah, just it was just something kind of on the peripheral of my of my consciousness. Whenever I was listening to this interview, is I was like, "People mover, like People Mover," kept ju- dropping into my head. And then I went online and looked, and you know, it showed that he had been in People Mover. But I was just like, kind of like, "Whoa, how many bands has this dude been in now?" He's I mean, been in a ton. Yeah, yeah, like like you said, he gets into a band, they get a record deal, they go, and then he's gone.
1: Yep. Yeah. He's very much the anti hired gun, like where it's like, oh, are you guys having some success? I'm sorry, I, I can't be in this anymore. I gotta be DIY until I die.
2: He's he's uh, too cool for school, as we as we say.
1: That, but he is like one of the most. Him and his brother uh, Frank are probably some of the most hardworking dudes. Like they own a tattoo shop. Their dad, I think they own like a construction company with their dad or something. Like Dave constantly, if he's not on the road, like he's pouring concrete and doing like home repairs and and all that kind of stuff. Like. Dude is always working. Like, it's another reason I wanted to have him on. Cause, like, you know, like we were just saying, he's been in a lot of bands. But I think that speaks to his tireless work ethic, and the fact that you see him on Instagram constantly learning how to play stuff, learning, you know, songs, learning other people's stuff, just jamming. And you know, I think it's one of those things that it's inspiring to see someone that you know has been doing this at a high level for so long, and may not be the most well-known person. But I kind of like those people because, you know what, they kind of make – they kind of – when you get to know those people and you see how hard they work, like, it inspires you to, like, want to do something, even if it's behind the scenes or whatever, because you know that there is potential to, you know, still succeed because of your hard work and your dedication.
2: Absolutely. Um, I'm going to uh, interrupt the podcast for a minute here with some breaking news. Okay. Louder Than Life Festival just posted, Dear Louder Than Life fans, it is with our deep regret that we inform you that this weekend's Louder Than Life Festival has been canceled due to unsafe conditions resulting from ongoing rain and flooding at the festival site, Champions Park. After carefully inspecting the grounds and infrastructure this evening, the city and we have determined that it is no longer possible to make the festival site safe in time for this weekend. We appreciate the outpouring of support from our fans, blah, 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 blah. Literally one minute ago.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Jesus.
2: Well, at first I thought it was a joke, but uh, why why would somebody joke about that? Um, Oh. Well. (laughs) I didn't know if you want to include this on the episode or not, but I mean, it's (laughs) we're probably the first podcast to report it
1: well i mean you know by the time this goes up maybe not but jesus christ we it's funny we were just talking about this uh at the bar uh, a little bit ago when we were dropping my keys off to someone to watch my dog um we're like oh i saw that the whatever the fuck festival that was this week the bourbon and whatever fest mm-hmm. um well that's rad i, I-, I
2: hope i didn't, didn't just kill the conversation <laughs> Well,
1: cool. Well, I'm glad I bought tickets and I'd <laughs> go to this festival that doesn't exist anymore. Oh,
2: Louisville's really nice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think I'd rather have my money back at this point.
2: Just go stay with Toomey for two days and be really obnoxious about it like, use a shower and stuff. No. Oh. Oh. Okay, sorry, back on track. I just happened to look up and see it. <laughs> like, Because uh, my other computer's on, it's on Facebook, and it's like, new notification from Joshua Toomey, and he had posted, he had re-Facebooked he had re-Facebooked the announcement.
1: Mm. Oh, fuck.
2: I'm going to go see Zayo on Thursday.
1: <laughs> I mean, I won't be there on Thursday. Right. That really makes me wonder like what people are doing because there was a lot of package tours coming yeah
2: yeah it probably screwed a lot of people out of some money I'll tell you that yep. okay well sorry <laughs> didn't mean to all
0: didn't right. mean
2: to throw that didn't mean to throw that out there uh all right well i mean i did mean to but not like in a vindictive way <laughs>
1: All right. Well, so there there is that news. Uh so there there's like my, my whole week and shot to shit and a couple thousand dollars. Uh hopefully that I can get back.
2: <laughs> I'm sh- hey man, the planes haven't left yet. I'm sure you can get your money back.
1: Hopefully. I don't know if we can cancel the hotel though.
2: <laughs> just go up, just go up and uh go to the airport and scalp. <sighs> hey buddy, I got these sweet tickets.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't th- you don't have my name or my ID, but uh
2: it's going to be fine. Just scalp. Yeah. Sorry. I guess that probably hasn't worked since like the early, early (laughs) nineties. Yeah, probably not. (laughs) Um, anyway, well, fuck,
1: I guess I'm at, um, I guess that's as good of a place as any to to end this episode. Um, so if you would like to keep up with Dave Pino, you can find him on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, simply at Dave Pino. Uh, as you heard him say, he's the most active on Instagram, which I definitely can attest to. And if you would like to keep up with our show partners, Moshpit Nation, you can find them over at MoshPitNation.com. And find them on Facebook at Nation, West Capital M-I. Twitter and Instagram are simply Nation. And keep up with our show sponsor, The Bean Bastard, over at TheBeanBastard.com. Twitter and Instagram are simply The Bean Bastard. And Dan, where can people find you?
2: You can find me all over the internet, John. I'm on Twitter at DiscussMetalDan. I'm on Facebook as Daniel Terry. I am on Gmail, which is like this new thing that that I know about now, at DiscussMetalDan at gmail.com. And uh, my other podcast is, as always, DiscussMetal.com.
1: And if you would like to keep up with all things the podcast, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube over at Johnson Title Podcast. Tweet at us at Johnson Title Pod and email us at Johnson at gmail.com. And if you would like to support us monetarily, you can do such over at Patreon at patreon.com slash Johnson Title Podcast. We are about to get into a new Patreon episode as soon as we wrap this up. And Dan will tell you about five star ratings, rating, and reviewing.
2: Oh, my God. I love five star reviews. I love ratings. I love constructive criticism. I love all of it. But it's not just about what I love. It's about what the podcast loves and what the podcast needs. And what the podcast needs is to show up when people search for awesome podcasts. In order to do that, we need you to rate, review, and subscribe because if you love the podcast, it is literally the best free option that you have in order to help us out in a big way. The more we're inter- the more reviews we get, the more ratings we get, the more subscribers we get, the higher the chance is that the podcast will grow and people will be able to find it whenever they're searching for podcasts in general. So let's try to make some top 15 lists or something like that. Yeah, and
1: uh, with that, we are going to end this episode as we always do with a song. And as you heard, Dave Picky wanted us to pick Funk 49. It is by Joe Walsh, but it's actually by the James Gang. So just wanted to throw that out there. If you're looking for it, if you like this song, it's not going to necessarily be under Joe Walsh. It's going to be under the James Gang. So this is Funk 49, and we will talk to you next time.